0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com recommend today. Nelson, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep, diving deep. Things Texas, both on and off the field, here's Sean Pendergast
1: and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey everybody,
2: welcome in. It is the Utopia Football Podcast, the unfortunately the final post-game version of the Utopia Football Podcast that we will be doing for this season because the Texans lose today 34-10 to to the baltimore ravens 10 10 at the half and then the ravens came out and outscored the texans 24 nothing in the second half and it was curtains lamar jackson performed like an mvp the texans back to the drawing board on a lot of respects it looks like playing against good teams on the road as we welcome you in i'm sean pendergast one half of Payne and pendergast of sports radio 610 joined as always by my co-host on here the hall of famer and our senior columnist at sports radio 610.com john mcclain um John, this this was clearly a game where I think two things at work. Um, the Texans made a ton of mistakes, self-inflicted errors, particularly in the first half of this game with all those penalties, and then ultimately over the course of 60 minutes, this is just a way more talented football team, the Baltimore Ravens, than the Houston Texans are.
1: It's the reason they had the best record in the league, and they were number one seed, got the MVP at quarterback, going to win his second, Lamar Jackson. And so they went toe-to-toe with them in the first half, had a chance – to lead 13-10, Fairbairn missed 47-yard field goal. But, you know, Sean, when we look back on this season, this is what I wrote, the lead on my column on SportsRadio610.com, is this does not diminish what an incredible season they had under D'Amico Ryans and sets up everything. people be pumped about free agency, the draft, next season.
2: Yeah, and I guess that becomes the question, John, this offseason. And we're going to do a four-stock-up and four stock down reviewing this game. Um, but I guess as long as we're talking about the enthusiasm, the hope that's been built, and and I think we're we're at least a, a year, if not two years ahead of schedule for where I think maybe some people, certainly the experts thought the Texans would be. Um, I, I don't think you, you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody who thought they'd be playing in the divisional round of the postseason before the season started, except for maybe guys in that locker room. I guess, John, you know, one of the things about playing the Ravens who are clearly the gold standard right now in the NFL, you know, they best record and not only best record, but they faced off against a lot of the other big name brand teams. And they've played really, really well, including the 49ers towards the end of the year, they destroyed the 49ers in Santa Clara at the end of the year. The question I guess becomes like, okay, you were clearly the inferior team today is that gap one that can be closed in a year you know uh i don't know if they played 10 times the ravens and texans that the texans would lose by multiple scores a bunch of times but they're clearly the inferior team do you think that's a gap do you think that the texans in in one off season can get to where now they're among those the ravens and the chiefs and the bills and the niners that strata of teams where you go from being a a team that's a playoff team to being a team that's considered one of the top five or six in football?
1: I think they'll be favored to win the AFC South, Mm -hmm. but I don't know if they'll be considered a Super Bowl contender. You know, they got players, they got to decide who they're going to keep, who they're going to let go because a lot of guys' contracts are up. Some uh, deserve extensions and there are going to be changes on the coaching staff, maybe Bobby Slowick, maybe not. But uh, the Ravens, the last two years, Lamar Jackson was hurt, and if he hadn't been hurt at the end of the season, they might have been Super Bowl contenders again, and that was a big deal for them today because he'd never won a divisional game. He'd won one playoff game. It's great stat. This is the first time Baltimore's hosted an ASC championship game since the Baltimore Colts in 1971, and uh, – that defense is dominate. Texans started and began ended the season there and didn't score an offensive touchdown. Mm-hmm. The special team scored more touchdowns at M&T Bank Stadium this season than the offense did. And C.J. Stroud, of course, had the second greatest rookie season in history to Ben Roethlisberger, who was 13-0 in 2004, took him to, I think, they lost at home New England in the championship game. And, uh, and man – they need, they need to find another receiver because those guys disappeared except for Nico Collins and having a healthy tank tail back and they got they still got a lot of needs and uh, we'll get to sure I'm sure some of them and are stuck up and stock down. Unlike last week, it was hard to find a stock down now. I've been over everything. it's hard uh. to find stock up.
2: Yeah, John, it's like the Great Depression right now. It's hard finding any good stocks out there for this, for this game today. Absolutely. Um, so uh, I guess, you know, one more thought on the offseason then, like in terms of closing the gap. And the good news is they've got a ton of uh, capital, you know, both draft capital and salary cap capital to go fix some of the things that you and I are about to talk about here for sure. What do you think – like? If you look in your crystal ball, like what, what do you think would be like a big wow move that they make this offseason? I don't know. They have the draft capital to make a big move like they did last year with going up and getting Will Anderson. That was a wow move. It's more likely to come in free agency. But if you could see something where we're like, wow, that's a big signing right there. Maybe not a specific name. If you have a specific name, that's great. But maybe a position where they went and got an elite level fill in the blank. Like, what do you think that might look like?
1: I thought they might do it last year. They had the money to do it. serio didn't do it. You know, maybe he's not going to do that. Maybe he's going to spread it around. Uh, 49ers, of which D'Amico is patterning, patter, patterning, patterning. Is at the – trying to emulate what the 49ers Patterning, do. yeah. Patter, yeah. And, and, like, they'll make a big splash like John Hargrave last year. And uh, then they'll pick up some veterans and bring them in like the Texans did Derek Barnett and hope they do a good job before they let them go because their contracts are up. But I'm not sure if they were going to do it at a position. I think it would be wide receiver to give them a third receiver, a big-time weapon to go with Nico Collins and uh, uh, Tank Dale. Yeah. And uh, the other thing is, you know, Jonathan Gennard, since he got hurt and came back, he didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. So those 12 and acts were set up sacks were looking real good. And I'm thinking he's going to get a good offer. Maybe he won't. Maybe his price won't be what uh, maybe he thinks he can get. But you know, Jerry Hughes won't be back. Robert Woods, Noah Brown, but they, they'll they continue to beef up their defensive line because that's what they do with the Niners. And that's what D'Amico's always talking about it starts up front, and it certainly didn't start up front in this game. So I'm guessing defensive lineman or a receiver. But as you know, it is a really good and deep, talented draft for receivers. Mm -hmm. And you may be like get one in the third round like Tank Dell, where you don't have to spend a fortune on a veteran. But I'm thinking it might, if they're going to spend money, it would be on a defensive lineman.
2: Yeah, I think so, too. And Javon Hargrave was the exact name I had in mind asking that question. Just is patterning to use, you know, to after the 49ers. And there's some really good defensive tackles on the market this year. You know, Chris Jones is a big, Chris Jones would be obviously a high, high ticket free agent, but Christian Wilkins is out there. Um, Matabike is, was probably a pretty pricey one too, but he's out there. Um, and now some of these guys may get hit with franchise tags also. We should acknowledge that but there's some really good defensive tackles. So I'm with you on that. If they, wide receiver, you know, if Mike Evans wanted to give his uh, hometown a little hometown (laughs) discount and come back here for, you know, 18 or 20 million or something like that, whatever it may be. Can you imagine a wide receiving core of Mike Evans, Nico Collins, and Tank Dell, John?
1: I don't even get my hopes up for that. I still think they made, they were talking about that before the season. Now they're a different team. They were better than they thought they were going to be. And that division should still be bad. And if they let him go, no matter what they do, they're not going to be as good. I'm thinking they're going to make every effort to bring him back. Yeah.
2: Um, all right, John, let's get into our four stock up and four stock down. What do we say?
1: All right, let's do it. My uh, stock up is going to be Nico Collins at five catches for 68 yards. And the reason I say him, because he got he got doubled. He had no help whatsoever from any other rece- wide receiver and yet he was still the best receiver and uh it wasn't his typical nico performance but uh considering who he was going against and what they were trying to do to him i thought nico played a good game and you can't say that about many
2: no no um that'll be an interesting one this offseason john nico like is you know he's eligible for an extension after this season you know how does the the organization view him you know is the big time receiver that they pay Nico Collins, you know, that that's going to be a a really interesting one, because I think he has proven at times this year that he's uh, he's a guy who can can get open against good defenses. He did it a few times today. Get open against good defenses without having to have other guys on the field, you know, creating diversion, if you will. You know, um, so that's um, Nico's Nico's going to be an interesting one this offseason. Um, my first one is Steven Sims. I think that's an easy one scored. The only touchdown today for the Texans wouldn't have even been on the field. Had Noah Brown not gotten hurt last week and put on IR with a shoulder injury, really with a litany of injuries. Noah Brown was so banged up by the end of the year with all sorts of injuries, but Steven Sims and he had a, he had a, a pretty good kickoff return, um, later in the game as well. He scored on a punt return, but he had a nice kickoff return. Um, as much as this team seems to accentuate special teams, I think Steven Sims has got to be kind of excited that he may have an opportunity to impact the team there and get a get a full-time roster spot on the team. Um, if he can if he can impact the kicking game and work on his receiving skills and maybe be, you know, wide receiver four or five, but also help out in the return game. He had done some good things in training camp, which is why he was still around the team, either practice squad or fringe roster guy. But he like there were times I know in training camp he struggled catching the football, but he's a very dynamic guy in the return game when he gets his hands on the ball. And obviously today was a big one for that. So Steven Sims stock up for you, my friend.
1: That's a good one. My next one is Blake Cashman. Uh, He had four unassisted tackles, a sack, two tackles for loss. He knocked down, uh, he knocked down Lamar Jackson another time. Now I don't know who was brain dead in the middle of the field of the linebackers. Sometimes I think it was Denzel Perryman because he's in the middle. Mm -hmm. And another time they had Christian Harris. But it didn't – you'd think that they never had a clue Lamar Jackson liked to run, especially up the middle. But, you know, they worked on it. So I'm not sure who's the guilty party. As D'Amico mentioned, when you don't play disciplined and you don't get off the blocks – so I'm hoping since – Cashman's an experienced guy and it doesn't seem like he would be the one who's undisciplined and out of position when he's supposed to be watching uh, Lamar Jackson but whoever it was they did a horrendous job so but I'm still going with Blake Cashman
2: Cashman was our guest on the post game show John and it and uh, Clint asked him the question that I think a lot of these guys are going to get asked over the next few days that are in contract years do you want to be back here And Blake Cashman made it pretty clear he would love to be playing for the Houston Texans next year, but it's a business, and we'll see what's out there for Cashman. That'll be an interesting one. He had clearly, John, his best season as a pro. Did deal with some injuries again, though. Injuries have been an issue for him. Not a major issue this year. He played most of the season when he was on the field. He was very healthy and very effective. Um, But, how, you know, does – did he do enough this year in a free as, as heading into free agency to where some team is going to view him as a guy that's above just giving a few million a year or for a couple of years? You know, is he viewed as someone who is an impact player to where you give him maybe three years and he gets closer to eight or nine million a year, 10 million a year, something like that? You know, a team that's heavy in linebacker need might see Blake Cashman. he plays special teams also. Uh, might see him as a crucial piece. I'd like to see him back. I I thought he and Harris were a really good combination at off-ball linebacker at the end of the year.
1: Yeah, Perryman will be gone. And the thing about Cashman, I asked him about midway through the year, I said, I noticed you were on our almost your whole career with the Jets, but you're not here. What's the difference? He said, because when I got here, they had me doing things totally different than we did with the Jets. Hmm. And what he was doing, stretching weights and everything else, and he's, he's played really, really well and because uh, he can cover. You know, I think he, you're right. He and Christian Harris, they're on the field most of the time. Perryman's not. Those two guys. And Cashman was good for the season. And Harris, he, he really improved to where he's an impact player at the end. Not today, but still an impact player overall.
2: Yep, absolutely. All right, my last stock up. I was going to do Christian Harris, John, but you know what? They lost 34 to 10, get a little loose on the last one. You know who we've never given a stock up to, John, who's one of a who's a Utopia favorite? Big Heine. Good. Big Heine He Kurt deserves Heine. it. He had a sack today. He had a sack. And if he doesn't make that sack, Lamar Jackson is probably still running. Still, yeah. Yeah, like on that play. And this is probably more of a stock up for Heinish, not just for today, but really over the course of the entire season. I think he's, you know, he is what he is. He's never going to be. Ted Washington or something like that in terms of being a guy who's a big body in the middle of the line who's making a major ripple effect impact, but Kurt Heinisch was an undrafted free agent last year and he has firmly established himself as a rotational interior defensive lineman on this team. And my guess is he's going to be back next year because he works cheap. He's an undrafted guy with two years still, still I think two years. Like I, I don't know if it works the same with undrafted guys as it does with the four-year contracts that the draft picks all get. Um, I seem to remember with Arian Foster back in the day that there's restricted free agency that gets involved in things like that, for, uh, tenders that you have to give them and things like, you know, the, and so forth. Um, but they control Kurt Heinish for at least another couple of years. He's been a nice piece on that interior of the defensive line, and he gets a stock up for his sack today. Go Irish.
1: He deserves it because uh, he and Khalil Davis did a good job at backup tackles because they yep. had other guys that got hurt, and uh, they stayed healthy. And uh, I think that's a good one. Thanks. Um, Are
2: you ready for some stock downs, John? There's so much
1: to choose from. (laughs) I'm going with the offensive line. The offensive line was terrible. After the great pass protection game against Cleveland, they came out and they were terrible. They didn't run block. And it's amazing Stroud didn't get sacked because he was running for his life all the time. They just got steamrolled. Tight ends who blocked were steamrolled. And what's so bad about it, the Ravens were giving up 109 yards rushing, and they got what, 32, 31. Mm-hmm. Devin Singletary, uh, he had 16, 16 yards on one run, yeah. and they're, and they're, they're, I just couldn't be- believe how bad the run blocking was, the pass protection was. It's amazing. Stroud didn't throw an interception. You know, he ended the season with 198 after starting the season with 191 without an interceptions. It's amazing that he was not carried off Consider the pressure he was under, but I gave him an F I did The only F minus I gave because I took into account the first half, quality of competition, plus I just kind of felt soft, but I gave them an F minus and had a clear conscience.
2: Yeah, John, all those pre-snap penalties, that was just, it was embarrassing how bad that was. They looked, and here's the thing, like a lot of the penalties looked like they were And maybe this is just the way it looks when you're in a rabid crowd environment like that. But anytime there's either a delay a game or a movement penalty in an environment like that, it looks like you're nervous in a big environment. You know what I mean? Like it looks like it looks like you're not ready for a big stage when, in fact, it could just be some mental error you're making. But it looks that way. And I don't like my team looking that way. Um, So I'm with you on the O-line. Um, I'm going to go Kymie Fairbairn, John. I thought maybe if there was – look, this was a game the Texans probably weren't going to win, even if he kicks that field goal at the end of the half. Um, But uh, Kymie misses that makeable field goal, makeable for him for sure, at the end of the half. And that kind of touched off the the sequence of events. I know there's a halftime in between but they went from kind of having their momentum zapped to use D'Amico's word that he used in the post game. You know, they asked him about Kaimi missing that field goal, and he said it kind of zapped our momentum. So you go from maybe going into the locker room with a lead at halftime um, to now you come out on the other side of the half, and they give up a kick return to Devin Duvernay on the very first play of the half, a kickoff return to to the 45-yard line, and then several plays later, Lamar Jackson gets into the end zone. Um, so I, I'm I'm going stock down on Kymie Fairbairn for missing that field goal and kind of kind of uh, really uh, zapping the momentum for the Texans heading into the half. I think a, a lead at halftime of this game might have made a – at least had the Ravens going into the second half feeling a little bit of game pressure.
1: Some of the Ravens were talking about – Lamar Jackson's emotional halftime speech, cussing everybody out about the first half, and then they really? came out and went straight down the field after DuVernay's 37-yard kickoff return. And, and uh, you know, Fairbairn only missed one field goal during the season, and then he missed an extra point, and he missed a field goal makeable near the end of the season, which is not good, of course. He I mean, didn't cost them the win, but, man, they would have. it would have sure been cool if they had gone in up 13 to 10.
2: Where is he on your free agent priority list, John? Uh, Cause he's in a contract here too.
1: Yeah, he's, I think he's re signed here like what, twice? Yeah, I mean, he's like been here
2: that. since 2017. So, yes. whatever.
1: I don't think he's going to leave. I can't imagine somebody else with teams needing so much that they would offer him money to go. It's very comfortable knowing you got your snapper, your kicker, your punter, and Cam Johnston. You know his contract's up. The only free agent that uh Nick Casario's given a three year contract to, and he's been terrific. Wow. So, would you let your punter and your kicker go? Um, I uh, once you, because you got the all time best snapper, he probably make great kickers and punters out of right. just about anybody. But I don't see Casario letting both of them get away. No, I see no. people coming and going with every team and all the issues with kickers and the punters, as we saw they had here this year when uh, Johnston started his season hurt, and then Fairbairn got hurt. So I'm guessing they'll, they're will they not going to break the bank, of course, but I'm what guessing if, they'll be back.
2: What, okay, well, you got to pick one. You can only sign one, Kymie Fairbairn or Cam Johnston. Who is I'd it? take
1: the kicker, because kickers can win games and punters can give good field position, which he's done a great job of. But Fairbairn has been a really consistent. I'd take him.
2: I think I'd take Johnston. And I know, I know Fairbairn is, statistically has been very good this year. Hadn't been as good down the stretch. Over the course of his career, going into this year, he'd been kind of inconsistent from time to time. Certainly hadn't kicked like one of the top five kickers, like he was getting paid for. Like Bill O'Brien gave him that contract back in the day. Um, I think Johnston's one of the best at his job in the league. I think I, so. Yeah. I and 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 he's somebody. And, and and who knows? Maybe on a team that's a little more. You know that that. On an improved team, your punter is not maybe as important as your kicker is. You know, that, that could factor in as well. Like if this were the team from the last couple of years that's punting all the time, then it's Cam Johnston. But theoretically, if you get better offensively, um and you're just a better football team, your punter shouldn't be quite as important. So maybe so. Cam Cam would be mine, but I can definitely see the argument for um for Kaimi. Who's your next stock down, John?
1: Uh you asked me in the pregame show about who I thought needed to step up, and I said Robert Woods. Mm-hmm. He had one catch last week. Well, he had one catch this week, and my yeah. stock down is the all the wide receivers not named Nico Collins. Yes. John Medgey disappeared after having his best game against Cleveland, and uh, <laughs> this is a great stat. Robert Woods and uh, Xavier Hutchinson had three catches for three yards. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's a great stat.
1: That Receivers awesome. averaging one yard a catch. Because <laughs> remember, that tr- that boneheaded trick play yeah. that Bobby Slowick called was a minus five-yard catch for Xavier Hutchinson. Yeah,
2: felt bad for Hutch. That was, yeah. What was that, John? Can, I, can you and I just give a separate stock down – Sure, double don't...
1: reverse pass that netted minus five, yeah, six yards, whatever
2: Sloic it was. Sometimes, man, like I don't know, I'm not going to give stock down to Bobby Slowick because he was operating with he, he, he didn't have the he, he's he had a knife at a gunfight today, you know what I mean, in terms of weapons. Again, to that defense, at least I know it's the same, I know it's the same group that went out there and scored 31 against Cleveland last week, you know, the two pick sixes got it to 45. Um, so I'm not giving Slowick a stock down. I do wonder, I do wonder if any of the teams that are interviewing Slowick for their or getting ready to interview Slowick have asked permission to interview Sloak for the head coaching job, if they watch today's game with this in mind, that this was a reminder that by and large, Bobby Sloic has never really gotten any semblance of a consistent running game going here. I know they've had good games here and there, and Devin Single, it's been much better with Singletary there than it was with Damian Pierce back there. Um, but still, and it came back to roost today. Like, no, this is still a team that if you ask me, can they run the football or do they not run the football? Like, give me the, I get those two choices. Do the Texans run the football? They are not exactly. And they are not. And so I think that's something to consider. If you're thinking of hiring Bobby Slowick. he, he doesn't get to bring CJ Stroud with him. I don't know if these owners are aware of that. Like he doesn't CJ stays here. He, he, he doesn't come with Bobby Slowick. It's not a it's not like an ensemble set of Barbie and Ken. Like, no, Ken stays here. You, The other dog goes there. It's just a single single action figure.
1: On well, my Nashville shows this week, I'm going to say Bobby Sloak is the reason they lost.
2: Yes, John, yes, because I do want him to stay here. I like Bobby Slug. I think he's done a good job, so I don't want him to go. But I just think it's funny. Like, he, he, like he, he has been getting way more buzz as a head coach than I think the body of work warrants. He's getting treated in these odds boards and by some of the pundits out there like he's, you know, like he's Bill Walsh or something like that. You know, one of
1: the things about him, Sean, excuse me, is is I think he's smart enough to know he needs a second season as a play caller.
2: I hope you're right.
1: Just like D'Amico did and uh, Ben Johnson did. I think yeah. Bobby, his father, would probably tell him that. Maybe his brother coaching the Dolphins linebackers would tell him that. But he's had some ups and downs, and, yes, they can't run the ball, and I don't blame it on him. I blame it on the line. And, the fact, Chris Strasser never coached his own scheme, and I don't know if they'll end up bringing in. I don't know why they hired a line coach who never worked with the zone scheme, and uh, they did because there's plenty of them out there that have worked with this system, and uh, I'll tell you, if Bobby leaves, this would not happen. But the first call I'd make, if I were D'Amico, I'd call Koobz. Mm-hmm. what? Uh, how much? We'll give you a blank check. What do you blank want, check. $5 million? Oh. You imagine just Kubiak fill in the numbers, assistant head coach, offensive dude. coordinator, guru, whatever you want. Can you imagine
2: Kubiak with C.J. Stroud?
1: Oh, oh, goodness. He'd bring helpful. in he'd bring in Rick Dennison to coach the line because he always said it's it's important to have people who have worked in this scheme because it makes for a smoother transition where you're going to a team and yeah. has not worked used it
2: well as long as Rick Dennison's not the heir apparent when Kubiak decides to stop coordinating the <laughs> offense if he can coach the line that's fine I just don't need him oh. I don't need him I don't need him pushing the buttons
1: I don't know ball. if Rick's even coaching now
2: yeah I don't know either I'm not sure. Um, all right, John, last one for me on stock down. And this is a season stock down as much as it is a specific play in this game. But and I apologize, John, because you know I have a son that went to Baylor that was a classmate of Jalen Petrie's. Um, and I know you're a proud Baylor alum, but this is a stock down for Jalen Petrie for the for two things. The entirety of the twenty twenty-three season, where he was just let's face it, Jalen Petrie was a major disappointment this he didn't year. Didn't make this any team.
1: big didn't make big plays like not that. a, a single
2: Not just not making plays, but he was the victim on a lot of really bad plays too. Like he just had he had a bad season, John. And that's it's and and it's disturbing because I think this team is gonna give him more rope than almost any other player as far as letting him fail. Uh, you know, Nick Casario came on my show and in the within, within the last handful of weeks, and I asked him about Petrie in the midst of a really bad season. And he said he'd take a thousand Jalen Petries on his team. You know, I think he, I think, I think Nick, the sense I got with Nick is that he thought some of the criticism for Petrie at that time was overblown, that it wasn't all on Jalen Petrie. As far as this game goes, Petrie had a chance to make a play in this game that would have been a major, major turning
1: point.
2: Early in the second half, he had an interception. Would have been a tough play. But if you're, if you're what Jalen Petrie is portrayed as by this team, you make that play in that moment and he wasn't able to. I, to me, it was just it was a perfect metaphor for what Jalen Petrie has been this year, which is just coming up short and not good enough to make the plays that needed to be made. He makes that play there. It's an interception in the end zone, and it's still 10-10. And now some of that doubt starts to creep in with Lamar Jackson. He's turned the ball over in the red zone. Um, so stock down for Petrie for that play and for his entire 2023 season – and I hope to God that I'm having a whole lot of different assessments of him next year. Cause I like Jalen Petrie a lot.
1: I got a bonus one. Will Anderson jr. Had one tackle and he's going after Lamar Jackson. Lamar ran what 11 times and he dropped yeah. back and Will Anderson jr. Had one tackle. Lee Collins had one tackle. Yeah, And so Anderson has not been the same since he suffered the sprained ankle. And neither was Jonathan Garnard and, uh, uh, Anderson had that one game where he played 12 snaps and he had two sacks, but, uh, he just, neither one of those ends were the same after they got hurt.
2: Nope. Absolutely. Um, all right, John, um, the, uh, this is it. This is the last, uh, weekend podcast we're going to be doing. We're back down to two episodes a week, starting with our mailbag episode on Tuesday, mailbag at gmail.com. So we'll get that going on Tuesday, but John, I guess just final thoughts. Uh, not so much on today's game. Today's game is what it is. It was a blowout. It was a really good team beating a team that was just not ready for this stage. Um, What are your overall thoughts on the season as we head into the offseason?
1: It was a terrific season. I can't wait to see what changes D'Amico makes to his staff. He mentioned about players and coaches. You know, you you evolve. You never stay the same. And I remember Bill O'Brien told me after he fired some guys the first year, he said, uh, a coach's worst staff is his first one because you wanted to be head coach, your friends have wanted to be head coach, kind of have it packed with them that whoever gets it first, I'll hire you. And if you can't figure out who to keep and who not to, you're doomed. So I can't wait to see the changes D'Amico does there and then what they do in the offseason. But, man, it's going to be fun to uh, uh, cover this team throughout the offseason, but especially next season when they play a little bit tougher schedule, but might be favored to win the division.
2: Yeah, I think they'll be favored to win the division. I think without question, they're going to be favored to win the division, given the way Jacksonville ended this season. And I think the Colts are still a work in progress. They're going to bring the Colts might go backwards, bringing Anthony Richardson back as their starting quarterback. And then I think Tennessee, Tennessee, I think has a chance to be one of the three or four worst teams in football. So I, I think they're for sure going to be favored to win the division. I would pick them to win the division. I think the thing that's exciting to me, John, and I know it makes you nervous and it makes me a little nervous, but exciting is the schedule next year is a big step up in weight class, but it also Ooh, yeah. has a lot of really fun matchups. We're going to have a lot of fun weeks and Sundays next year with a lot of these matchups. I think we're going to get at least two or three primetime games out of this team next year. Kind of wish they had been more competitive today to leave America with a better taste in their mouth watching the Texans because uh, they I thought they'd left a really good taste in the mouth of America after the Colts game in primetime and after the blowout of Cleveland last week. So that part to me feels a little unfortunate and not emblematic of what this team was this year. Today's performance, they were competitive. I say that they were competitive for most of the year, but their three losses down the stretch were all blowout losses. So I got to go back and do an autopsy on this season to just see exactly what I'm feeling right now. Overall, I'm feeling they're the division favorite. They deserve to be. They're going to get some primetime games. They may get an overseas game and they might get a Thanksgiving game against the Dallas Cowboys. John, this I know. It's going to be a much harder season to plan our calendars for next year because it won't be just a bunch of noon Sunday starts. That I do. I was thankful for that. I was able to get into a routine very easily this year until week 18. Noon Sunday every time. That's not going to be that way next year.
1: Well, can't wait. It's been fun. It's been a great season. I'm so happy for the McNairs and and uh, D'Amico Ryan's and Nick Casario putting all this together and they got to be once the once it wears off about losing this game uh they know the ravens are better than them and they're going to go out and see what they can do about closing the gap
2: see what they can do to to become the ravens absolutely you got a good look at what the gold standard is today right across the field from you that's the that's the measuring stick what you play today is the measuring stick in the in not just in the afc now but i think as far as like roster building and organizational that is an organization with a culture and a philosophy, and a really, and and just really good talent evaluators there. And John, by the way, as you and I are recording this, the Packers are leading the Forty Nine ers deep into the fourth quarter here. This is making me, after the game today with the Texans, I I said I don't care what the final score is. My feeling is going to be one of joy after this game, based on the full season. I'm watching the Packers stand toe-to-toe and trade blows with the Niners, and now I'm getting angry about the game today. I'm like, couldn't you hung around for three quarters? Like, you know, just something. And you let them roll over you in the, in the second half of this football game. And even your 10-10 at the half was a little fugazi. You know, you had a punt return for a touchdown in there.
1: Just remember, uh, Jordan Love's not a rookie. People keep talking about young quarterbacks. Yeah. Uh, they're talking about C.J. Stroud and Jordan Love. He's an inexperienced quarterback, but he's not young. This his fourth year in the league.
2: Absolutely. All right, uh, John, we uh, we are done. I appreciate you as always. And we'll do it again on Tuesday. And we'll start with our two episode per week weeks in the offseason here. Uh, moving forward. Enjoyed it as always, even with the bad final score, John, I always enjoy doing these podcasts.
1: Me too, Sean. Thank you very much. I look forward to Tuesday.
2: All right, me too. That's the great John McClain, the Hall of Famer right there. No James Jackson tonight. John and I are at the wheels at the controls ourselves. We, we're we like a couple of kids driving with no driver's <laughs> license right now <laughs> out after curfew. Uh, James, who is the adult in the room, is uh, he's off at a basketball game, so he gave me the keys to this thing to record it. So who knows? Hopefully you guys actually hear this thing and see this thing. I have no idea. Uh, but we thank James for producing the podcast, getting it out to you guys very, very quickly. So for James Jackson, absentee. And uh, John McClain, right there. I'm Sean Pendergast. We're out of time. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in throughout the season. We really appreciate all of you tuning in, hitting that subscribe button, telling a friend. Podcast is growing. The Texans are getting better. And uh, it's going to be a fun ride these next few seasons. We appreciate all of you coming along for that ride with us. We appreciate the Houston Texans getting a whole lot better at football this year as well. So, for James and John, I'm Sean. We're done. Have a great weekend, everybody. This has been the Utopia Football
0: Podcast.